This morning, we're going to begin, as Denny said, a new series, and it's going to be different in the sense that you may recall we went through Hebrews, and we were in Hebrews for a little while, and that's typically what I like to do is take a book and walk through that book from start to finish. We're going to do a new series, though, where it's going to probably be what I would call a little more topical. It's not going to be from one particular book. Because in this new series, I'm going to call it What We Believe About, and then each sermon will be a different thing that we're going to talk about. So it'll be more topical. We'll look at several scriptures that relate to that topic. The point with this is I really felt convicted when praying about what to do after we were done with Hebrews. And I thought, why don't we just kind of talk about the core doctrines of our faith? The, I hate to call it the basics, let's call them the foundations, the sort of structures and the columns that support our Christian faith. These would be things that if we don't understand the things we'll talk about, then it's probably going to cause confusion and things about, well, what else do we believe as Christians? We're, we're just going to probably be confused about that stuff. So we're going to talk about things like, today we're going to start with the Bible itself. What do we believe about the Bible? And then we'll talk about God, like what is it we actually believe about God? What's he like? What's he do? And we'll move our way through these categories. We're going to basically also look at some topics as well from especially in culture. You know, what does God say about that topic or that thing that's been going on? My goal for this series is some of it I hope to encourage you. You may have never heard before, but if I'm honest, some of it you may say I've, I've heard this because I've been in church for 40 years. Well, then I hope it's a good refresher. Maybe you've heard it in a new way, though. But my goal in any case is that you can go through this and say, you know what? I feel a lot stronger in my faith because I understand some things that maybe I didn't before. And the other goal is maybe it helps you help someone else. Maybe you've got that family member, or that friend that have questions about Christianity or church life, and maybe you found yourself, you know, I'm not even sure what I would say to that. Hopefully, maybe we'll cover a topic that you say, oh, now I understand this, and I can help this person understand their questions now. Now, what's going to happen is, if you look in your bulletin, you have a handout in this bulletin today. At the top, it will say the Baptist faith and message, and then it will have a Roman numeral one and say the scriptures. This won't happen every Sunday. But many Sundays, what I'm going to do is print that out for you. And that Baptist faith and message is our church's official, it's in our bylaws, it is our approved doctrinal statement as a body of believers in Christ. And we get this from the Southern Baptist Convention. So the Baptist faith and message is the Southern Baptist Conventions that we belong to. It's their official doctrinal statement. I'm not going to cover all of that. There's like 12 or 13 articles. We're not going to go through every one of them. But what I will do is sort of use it as a model for us. And so today we're talking about the Bible. Well, our own denomination has a statement of what we believe about the scriptures. So I want to kind of use that as our guide. You'll hear me refer to that a lot. And that's where I'm getting it from. So I wanted you to be able to have a copy of that. Well, what do we believe about the Bible? That's where we're going to start with this series. And the reason for that should probably be obvious. A lot of the things we'll talk about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, salvation, eternal life, on and on it goes. 98% of that stuff will be content from the Bible. 
So then I thought it would only make sense to start with the Bible and kind of set that foundation and say, well, what do we believe about the Bible? Because everything else we believe about God and eternal life and salvation, we get that from the Bible. So you kind of need to be clear what you think about the scriptures to understand the rest of the stuff. So that's why we're going to start here at this place. This sermon is going to be really answering the question, what is the Bible? And then our next sermon, we'll still talk about the Bible. We're going to go into, well, what does the Bible do? And then I'd actually like to have a message where we talk about how can we know that the Bible really is true? Like, is there evidence that supports that it is actually truth? It's actually from God. Because, see, some people think, oh, well, you just believe the Bible because you just want to believe the Bible. Well, that's not necessarily true. There's actual evidence to support its claims. And so that will be in a message or two. Sorry, that's not for today, but we will cover things like that. Well, let's start here and look at this Baptist Faith and Message article one called The Scriptures. I'm going to read it to you and we'll launch off into that. It'll be on your screen or you can read on the handout. Here's how it reads. The Holy Bible was written by men divinely inspired and is God's revelation of himself to man. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. It reveals the principle by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world. The true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. All scripture is a testimony to Christ who is himself the focus of divine revelation. Let me begin with a word of prayer now, and we'll get going. Father, thank you that we have the scriptures. You have given us your written word so we can know your thoughts, your desires. We can see what you've done through human history and what you desire for us to do as your people. And I ask now, Lord, as we begin this series, would you bless this series? Would you help me to be clear and to be helpful so that everyone here, Lord, having going through these messages will walk away from these with a greater understanding so they can be a little more encouraged and emboldened to go out and share the good news with maybe their friends and family and help others understand something about you that maybe they didn't understand before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, let's just answer this question again today. What is the Bible? It's going to sound simple, but we're going to walk through this and look at it from different aspects. I'm not going to cover all that I read to you in that paragraph, but I just wanted you to have that. You can see where this is coming from. I will refer to key phrases, though, what they have to do with our message this morning. The, one of the phrases in that article we read from the Baptist Faith and Message says this. It basically says the Bible is, quote, God's revelation of himself to mankind. So we can just start there. What is the Bible? It is God's way of revealing himself to us. It's God making himself known to people. That's a very simple way to think about the Bible. Someone asked you, hey, what is the Bible? You could say something like that. It is God's way of making himself known to people. Because if God did not choose, and it was his choice to start this, If God did not choose to reveal himself to people, guess how much we would know about God? Next to nothing. The only thing we could know about God would be what we could sort of study through the cosmos and creation. We would be able to know things like, well, he must be orderly. He must have power because look at all that's out there. But we really wouldn't know a whole lot beyond that. God had to make the choice 
to sort of stoop down to our level and communicate to people in a way we can understand and share information about himself with us and honestly about ourselves and our need for salvation. If he did not do that, we wouldn't really know anything at all about God. So again, the Bible is God's way of revealing himself to us and making himself known to people. That's why I heard Bruce say it, and we say it all the time, we call the Bible God's word. Literally, it is God's word. It's God's message to people, and it's in the scriptures. The other thing that the Baptist Faith and Message calls the Bible is this phrase, says it is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. So the Bible isn't just God revealing himself so we can know information about him. The Bible is also God's way of communicating his divine instruction to people. He's not just instruction like what to do, but really what we need to know about sin and salvation and ourselves and our, our need for him. So it's God revealing himself to us on the one hand and God giving us divine instruction on the other hand. The Bible answers questions like, how can I know God? What does God want from me? It answers big questions that philosophers have wrestled with for centuries, such as what's the meaning of life? Why does life exist at all versus not exist? Why does life exist the way that it exists? The Bible actually has these answers. They're found from God's mind. He shares that with us. Then, more specifically, it would answer things like, well, okay, what does God want from me in my day-to-day life? What am I supposed to do? All these things are divine instruction, and the Bible gives that. You can now add more to your answer if someone puts you on the spot, hey, you believe the Bible, tell me what the Bible is. You could say something like this. The Bible is God's way of revealing himself to people and giving his truth for us to live by. God reveals himself through the Bible so we can know him, and he gives us our instruction of what we need to know, how to live for him. Now here's three ways to think about the Bible. I pulled these from that statement I read to you, and it's how I'll form the rest of our message. Think of the Bible like this. It has an author. Its author's God. It has a point. Well, its point is salvation. And it has content. Well, its content is truth. So we'll talk about those three things. The Baptist Faith and Message says this. The Bible has God for its author, salvation for its end, or that's point and purpose, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter or contents. So what is the Bible? Well, it contains three things. It has an author, God. It has a point and a purpose, salvation. And it contains information, material and content. And it's truth, truth from God. Let's look at God as the author of the Bible. To be honest with you, this is mostly what we're going to talk about today. And we'll kind of lightly touch on the others. I want to set this case before we leave here today and give you full assurance. Like, hey, who authored the Bible? Well, God did. Well, I thought people did. Well, both did, but we'll talk about that. So if you're confused, that's good. We'll work through that throughout the rest of the message. God is the author of the Bible. That's really where this starts. The Bible is written by chosen men that God chose to do this, but it's truly authored by God himself, not man. Now, I'll explain that as we go. Here's what the Baptist Faith and Message says about this statement. The Holy Bible was written by men, but then it says, divinely inspired, or God chose them to do this, is the point. 2 Timothy 3.16 is a big one to know. There's 2 Timothy 3.16, and we'll look at one in 2 Peter. There's sort of two or three big scriptures that teach this stuff to us. And we'll start with 2 Timothy 3.16. Paul says, all scripture, 
You could substitute the word the Bible for Scripture. Scripture means holy writings, writings that come from God. Okay, so all Scripture or the Bible, and he says it is something. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, and it has a very specific phrase. It says it's breathed out by God. Now, other English translations probably say the word inspired by God. So I'll talk about that in just a second. But let's go with this here. All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Now, Paul is very clear here. All Scripture, the Bible, the Holy Writings, they are breathed out by God. Now, what's going on here is in the Greek language this was written in, Paul took two words and kind of smashed them together and sort of made up a word. Because he's saying, hey, this concept is supernatural. It's not like anything on earth. There's not even a human word to describe what God did with the Scriptures. So Paul's kind of saying, I'm going to have to make up one. He took the word for God, and then the word for inhale and exhale air, breathe, and put them together. He said, the Scriptures are God-breathed out, and here's the Scriptures. That's what happened and how we got the Scriptures. So theologians throughout time have given this a term. If you ever read a theology book, you know, if you need to go to sleep at night and open one up, they will call this the doctrine of inspiration, or you'll hear the phrase, the inspiration of Scripture. Well, what happened throughout time is the English Bibles carried that word. So you may have an English translation that says, all scripture is inspired by God or inspired of God. And that's okay. That's fair. But I, I'm worried that in our vernacular today, uh, some people think inspiration, they'll equate that with like a songwriter or a poet or an artist who says, this event in my life inspired me to write this song or inspired me to paint this. That's not what the word inspired means if your English Bible says it. It literally means what the ESV is trying to say. So I, I like how they do that because they go ahead and put the literal words of what it means. God exhaled air. He breathed out, and here's the scriptures. That's how we got them. So if you've ever uh, wondered again, how did we get them? Authored by God through chosen people. But it's really, Paul says, all attributed to God. That's how we got the Bible. He breathed out. God breathed out the words of the Bible. It's God breathed. It's from God. He is the ultimate author of the Bible. That's why the Bible is so special. It's so important. Because it's not just from the pen of Paul, or the pen of James, and so on. It is from the mind of God, and it's as if he breathed out the words through these chosen writers. And here we have the Scriptures. We have the very words of God in the Bible. Well, how did God get the Bible to us, though? Because there was a process. So how did he do this? The process was God chose a man to be a chosen writer of his written word. That man wrote that word down, and it was then delivered to its original audience. It was then copied down and preserved throughout time for us to have it today. There's a kind of a little five-step process here, maybe on the slide. Number one, God chose a human writer. Number two, that human writer spoke or wrote God's word. Number three, that message was then delivered to the original audience. Number four, they, it was preserved and copied down. Number five, then these messages were collected and put together in the big book we call the Bible. So that the key process to this whole thing, though, is the Holy Spirit. So let me share that part with you. That's now found in the second big scripture you need to know in 2 Peter chapter 1. 
Now, Peter explains to us how God actually transmitted his word through the human author. He says in 2 Peter 1, let me start in verse 20. He says, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men, and here's the, the key, they spoke from God as something happened. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So let's break this down. The Bible's contents, Peter says, is not just the product of human imagination. Isaiah did not sit down and say, I think I will write a book titled after my own name called Isaiah because I just have some cool things I want to say and convince everybody of some stuff. Jeremiah didn't do that. Moses didn't do it. Paul didn't do it. That's not how this came about. Critics say that, but it's simply just not the case. Peter says something else was going on behind the scenes. Well, what he says was going on is it wasn't the product of someone's own interpretation, meaning their mind, their explanation, their own thoughts. He says, nope, no prophecy ever came about by the will of man. It came about another way. He says men spoke, and it's a very important word, from God. So Paul and Peter and James and Isaiah and on it goes, those chosen writers, yes, they're human. Yes, they wrote that. But Peter says what was really going on is they were speaking from God. God was communicating through them and their writings are not from themselves. They're from God. Well, how did God get that done? That's the last part when he says those men were, quote, carried along by the Holy Spirit. That phrase carried along in the Greek, it gives the idea it's, it's passive, meaning the human author was, this was happening to them. So they're, they're literally, it's like the Holy Spirit picked them up and carried them from point A to point B. They didn't do it themselves. It was happening to them. So they, that's why the phrase is they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. They didn't walk along. They didn't run along. No, they were picked up and carried by the Holy Spirit. So the idea Peter's getting at is, yes, a human author wrote it, but it was through this divinely inspired process that God gave them the Holy Spirit and through the inner working of the Holy Spirit in their heart and mind, they were being sort of carried along to write God's actual message that he wanted people to have. That's how the process worked. That means Paul wrote as Paul. James wrote as James. Isaiah wrote as Isaiah. They didn't have their human mind erased. They weren't robots. They were still who they were. But this process is supernatural, and through the Holy Spirit within them, he was putting the thoughts in their mind and guiding them what to say. And at times, God was directly telling them, you will literally put these words. So you have kind of a mixture there. Sometimes they just sort of were motivated and inspired to write what they wrote through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes God said, say this, and they would write that down. Let's look at how it worked in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you some quick scriptures to help you see this. The prophets were kind of the main hitters in the Old Testament. They spoke God's word. Now, often, literally, God would say to them, this is the message you're to say, like verbatim, word for word. And then what would happen is they would write that message down, and it was preserved. So Isaiah's you know, big one. 
God said to Isaiah, go say this to the people of Judah or the people here. And then that's copied down and preserved. Here's an example from Moses. It says in Exodus 24.4, Moses wrote down all the words of who? The Lord. He wrote them down. He rose early in the morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and then on and on the story goes. But the point is Moses wrote down the words of the Lord. Jeremiah, I'm going to skip to him. I want to read you a, a paragraph here of how Jeremiah was called by God to be a prophet because it, it helps with our point today. Here's how it starts in Jeremiah 1, verse 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Now notice this phrase, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon. Sorry, I realize the format's off, so that's my fault. So if you can't read that, just, just listen. So it says that Jeremiah's admission here, <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me, and he gives the dating of this. And then he says, now again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, so now he's directly dictating what God said to him. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And here's the key phrase again, Whatever I command you, you shall speak. So Jeremiah's getting this direct instruction from the Lord, I'm going to tell you what to say, and you're just going to go say it. And he goes on, then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So Jeremiah is again being told a part of his commissioning here. Jeremiah, don't even worry about it. I'm, I'm going to speak through you. You're just, you're just a mouthpiece to these other people. And then it says, The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? So I'll end that there. But just for you to see an example and Jeremiah is not the only one. It's how it happened with Isaiah and the other prophets. God directly called them, sometimes a dream, a vision, just this inner voice that they would hear from the Lord. And God would say to them, you will just go share my message. You're going to copy that down and you will have my words. So the prophets were chosen by God to speak his message. And they wrote that down. That's mostly the Old Testament. God spoke, they copied it down, and that copy is preserved throughout time. And we have that today. I have a Bible study program that will analyze Scripture for me, and I told it to find me every instance in all the Bible where there could be some variation of, thus says the Lord, or this is what the Lord says, or God spoke, or the word of the Lord. Some way to find how many times in the Bible does the Bible say God directly spoke to a person or through a person. I found 592 instances where the Bible says God directly spoke through a person or to a person and said, record this down. So you could I maybe missed a few, and let's just say 600. So roughly 600 times where the Bible's own admission is, hey, God was directly speaking to the people, and they recorded that down. Now the New Testament changes a little bit. It shifts from these prophets being directly told by God what to say to Jesus Christ, who is the word of God. So whatever he said is God's word. And then he appointed chosen apostles. And those apostles, he gave the authority to write the rest of his teaching through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's, again, a little bit of a shift. And you don't see as many parts in the New Testament where it says, thus says the Lord. Rather, what you have in the New Testament more are letters, 
like Paul had letters and Peter had letters, but those letters were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. He filled their, their mind and their heart to convey what God wanted them to put down. Meaning it's no less from God as Isaiah's when he says, God told me to say this. Paul could say, God moved upon me to write the letter of Romans, for example. So when you read Romans, it's God's word from the Lord. They were divinely authorized to do that. It starts with Jesus. Jesus spoke the word of God because he was the word of God. He was the word of God that took on human flesh. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the Word was God. But then we read in John 1.14, that Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen His glory. So he's talking about Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God who literally became a man and conveyed God's Word on earth. Not just spoke it, He did things. So we can start with Jesus and say, okay, whatever Jesus said is God's Word because He is the Word of God that took on flesh. Well, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, but here's how he did it, by the prophets. That's kind of the first part I was sharing with you. But then notice this, he says, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son. That's Jesus Christ, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So Jesus was the word of God, conveyed the word of God to us. We have that recorded. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you can read that and say, oh, there's the Word of God. How? Well, because it's Jesus Christ, and He is the Word of God. Then, by extension, if Jesus appointed certain people to also write God's Word and convey God's Word on His behalf, then that means we can take that to the bank too. It's God's Word. That's what happened with the apostles. The apostles spoke the Word of God as well. Jesus authorized his chosen apostles to write God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit. A couple of examples of this. John 14, 26 says, this is Jesus talking to the apostles. The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Then in John 16, it reads, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. Again, Jesus talking to the apostles. He will guide you into all the truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. So you have this promise Jesus gave to the apostles. Hey, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And from there, you will convey the rest of my teachings. You will write God's word. That would be um, Peter's idea of men were sort of carried along by the Holy Spirit. I want to share with you a couple of things that I find they're cool. I hope that you will. But here's what I find interesting. Peter, for example, could read Paul, another apostle. And we have an instance in the Bible where Peter acknowledges Paul's writings as Scripture. So here's where that's found. 2 Peter 3.15, Peter says, Count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul, we're talking about the Apostle Paul now, you know, the writer of Romans and Corinthians and that guy. So here's what Peter says about him. Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him. The implication is from God through the Holy Spirit. But here's what I find cool, the next verse. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters, there are some things in them that are hard to understand. 
Now, I find that comforting if you've said, I don't understand the Bible. Well, you have Peter, an apostle, saying about Paul, a fellow apostle, some of his stuff is hard to understand because it's coming from the mind of God. But here's what I find cool. Peter says, the ignorant and unstable twist Paul's words to their own destruction. But the very last phrase is the key. As they do the other scriptures or the rest of scripture. That was Peter acknowledging what Paul wrote should be considered scripture. That's this phrase, the other scriptures, the rest of the scriptures, meaning Paul is considered a writer of scripture. Then you have Peter, James, John, and so on. They wrote under that divine inspiration and guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's how it worked in the New Testament. They were sort of so moved from within their soul to say exactly what God wanted them to say. Also interesting, Paul recognized that his own writings were divinely from the Lord, and they carried authority in the church. An example is Colossians 4.16. Paul says, when this letter has been read among you, meaning the letter he just wrote, Colossians, when it's read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see to it that you read the letter from the Laodiceans. 1 Thessalonians 5.27 is a little more strongly. He says, I put you under oath, meaning I solemnly charge you to do something. Here's what he told him to do. Have this letter read to all the brothers. The point there is Paul had a recognition that his writings were not just his own. They were from the Lord through the Holy Spirit to the point he could say, this carries authority in the church, so share it to all the church. If Paul thought he was just a human writer, that's it, no more than just a human writer, then how could he say that? He could only say it because he knew God has told me to do this. God has given me a message to share with you. What about the Bible we have of today, though? Here's how this worked. This, and I'm being very simplistic, by the way. There's a lot more to it, but this is really just how it worked. Those letters by Peter, James, Paul, those guys, Matthew, Mark, they were written down, copied down, and then transmitted all throughout the other churches in the areas, and more copies were made, and those were preserved down throughout time for centuries and centuries and centuries because the church knew it was the word of God, and so they held on to it and they preserved it. They knew they had to have it. By Jesus' day, they already had the Hebrew Bible, Genesis through Malachi. That's your Old Testament. That was already in existence and set. So, That then, the apostles have the New Testament that they wrote, also God's word. Then over time, those copies were collected and sort of stored together, and they began to be kind of published together. That's where we get our big book called the Bible. The Bible is really not one book. It's 66 separate books and letters that were just collected together in to one easy-to-use book called the Bible. So that's how we got it, is over time, those individual letters that were preserved, someone said, let's start putting these together because it's all God's Word. So let's put all God's Word in one bigger book that we can just share out the whole thing, all the way from Genesis to Malachi and now Matthew to Revelation. So these 66 books were put together into the Bible, Old and New Testament, we call it. The point is, it's all God's word. It's all God's written word to people to have. Originally, the Old Testament, 
was written in Hebrew with a little bit of Aramaic, and the New Testament was in Greek. Um, so I apologize, but if you've sat under my preaching and you hear things like the Hebrew says or the Greek says, it just has to happen because, unfortunately, it wasn't originally written in English. So our English Bibles are a translation from those original languages, which is why at times the English Bibles do a great job. So I want to give you full confidence. You can pick up an English Bible and they're, they're going to be great, okay? But that's why, though, if you've ever taken three or four of them and you line them up, you'll find little word variation differences. You may have thought, why is that? Because quite literally, it is a translation from a different language. And you're going to find scholar A thought that the precise word to use should be this. But scholar B thought, I think we could nuance a little bit better and say it this way. Like I just read you in 2 Timothy. Some Bibles say the scriptures are inspired. That's fair and accurate. Nothing wrong to say it that way. The ESV and others say breathed out by God. Also literally accurate and true. Both are valid. Both are equal translations from that Greek word. So that's why it works out that way. We just sometimes have to go back into that language and say, well, what was really going on there? But our Bible is God's word to us. God's revelation in written form preserved down throughout time. I love Isaiah 48. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The Bible's authors, God, through chosen human writers, guided and supervised by the Holy Spirit working in those human writers. So that's how I can say, yes, a human writer wrote it, but really God was the author. He was authoring through that person. What's the point of the Bible? The point of the Bible simply is Christ, Jesus Christ. The Bible's point is to reveal God to us, sin to us, salvation's plan to us. Really, the Bible shows us Jesus, the salvation he provides, a lost sinner. God communicated not just who he is to us in the Bible, but he tells us things we need to know, like, hey, I'm a sinner, and I'm doomed without his salvation. That message is in the scriptures. The Old Testament prophesied of Jesus' coming, and the New Testament says, hey, he, he appeared, he's here. All scripture is a testimony to Christ. This is how the Baptist faith and message reads. The very last sentence, I like it. All scripture is a testimony to Christ, who is himself the focus of, of divine revelation, meaning the focus of the Bible. What's the content of the Bible? It's truth. Now, this is um, something I want you to get before you leave today. If everything I just shared with you is true, meaning that God divinely breathed out the Bible, he's the ultimate author of the Bible's content, he, and he did so through these chosen human writers guided by the Holy Spirit throughout this process. If that is true, and we know it is, but if that's true then that means something. That means that the content, the actual words on the pages, must be fully and totally true and accurate. They cannot have any errors or mistakes or falsehoods. Why can't they? Because it comes from God, and God can't lie. God can't err. So therefore, it must be true. The Baptist Faith and Message has this quote I like. It has God as its author, salvation, its end, and truth, notice, without any mixture of error as its matter. Therefore, all scripture is totally true and trustworthy. Psalm 119, 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures 
to the end. Jesus said in John 17, 17, and he was praying to God when he said this, and he said, God, your word is truth. You can completely and totally trust the Bible. It will never lead you into error and falsehood. It will never lie to you. Why not? Because it comes from God. And he can't and won't do those things. Well, what do we believe about the Bible then? Well, we believe the Bible is the word of God. God's very words he gave to people. So if you're asked, hey, what's the Bible? Again, you could say something like the Bible's God's way of revealing himself to people and giving his truth for us to live by. The Bible shows us who he is. It shows us our need for salvation. It shows us who Jesus Christ is and on and on it goes. I want to end with drawing our attention to something that I think is very, very important to end on. I honestly cannot explain to you with my words how special and important the Bible is. I can't do enough. This is a scratching of the iceberg here. The tip of the iceberg is this. Why would you scratch an iceberg? Forget I said that. It's the tip of the iceberg. Don't scratch an iceberg. It's weird. So, but you hold in your hands, when you hold a Bible, or maybe on your phone now, you have, think about this with me, you have a personal copy of God's Word that He wanted people to have. And not just a personal copy, you have it in your language, your native tongue. A lot of people don't have that still today. But think it with me for a second. The creator of all the universe, all the cosmos that we haven't even seen yet with our space telescopes and satellites, the creator of all that would dare speak to us and you and I can have a personal copy of that to know the mind of our creator, his thoughts, his will, his ways. If you want to hear God speak to you, you can. Just open your Bible and read it because it is literally the words of God to you. It is God speaking to you through the Bible. So then I want to ask as we end, how much then do you treasure the Bible? Do you treasure it as literally God's word? Is it special to you? Here's how you can know how special it is to you. Ask yourself something like this. How much time do I spend in God's word? If I total up my week, how much time do I actually spend in it? What if, pretend with me, that however many minutes you spend reading in God's Word, that would determine how effective of a Christian you would be in your life. Then that would mean if I only spent five minutes in it, will I only be a five-minute Christian? If I spent just 30 minutes, am I only a half-hour Christian? It does, in a sense, kind of work like that. Not literally a one-for-one. You know, I spend five hours, so I'm five hours of a Christian. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is, though, How much you're learning and taking in will determine your spiritual health. So if you're not taking any of it in, quite literally, you're starving yourself spiritually. Imagine not eating for a week, two weeks at all. The effects on the body, how you feel. Well, imagine not taking in God's word for a week, two weeks, and then people walk around wondering, why am I so depressed and I have this problem, that, my life's out of order? Because it could be you are starving yourself spiritually. It's just a natural outcome of what's going to happen. So get in the Bible. You may say, I don't even understand it. That's fine. I get it. But just get in it. Get started. And watch what God does through you just simply faithfully trying and getting going and reading it. Treasure it. Learn it. It could be that maybe for someone here, the Bible's never meant much to them because they've never understood Jesus Christ and their need for salvation could be someone says, I, maybe I haven't treasured the Bible because I've, I don't even really 
know Jesus Christ, then I challenge you today before you leave, you could know Jesus as your Savior. This very Bible, that's the point of it, to share with us the good news that we are sinners but can be saved from our sins through faith in Jesus Christ having died and paid for our sins. I pray that you know him today. As I come, I'll lead us in prayer and Bruce and the worship team will come and that is what I'll ask of you is as I pray, maybe you need to do some confession before God and say, God, I just haven't treasured the Bible for what it is. Then start. Start today as you leave and treasure it for what it is. Maybe you're confused about salvation. Come talk to me. We've got others here that can talk to you about that. Would you stand with me? And I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your written word to us so we can not be left in the dark, but we can know who you really are. We can know our need for salvation and how to actually have that by placing our faith and trust in Jesus, dying for our sins, and having the proof and confidence knowing he rose again from the dead so we can have eternal life with you. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us we leave here to now just treasure that Bible for what it really is. It's not just a book. It is your word to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.